2: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy.
3: And thanks again for joining us for Winning Ponies. I think we're going to have a great show this evening because we've got some great racing on tap from coast to coast and two great guys to help us uh, break down the action for you. Uh, Both of them have been on the show before. Of course, uh, Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. You can see him on DRF Live all the time. with one of his great uh, co-hosts. One of the things that he puts out right now are spa babies. I can't think of anything harder than trying to track two-year-olds this time of the year at Saratoga, between the pedigree and all the connections that are up there. So we'll ask Dan uh, just how difficult that is. Of course, uh, he authored the book, Betting Maidens and Two-Year-Olds, and released the DVD, Trip Handicapping. So uh, Dan Ilman will be joining us, a great guest. And the last time we spoke to our first guest, Pete Iello, we were congratulating him on a new job at Oak Lawn Park. Well, once again, we will be congratulating Pete Aiello on a new job, only this time at Gulfstream Park. That's right. Larry Calmness decided to cut back some of his uh, race calling. So Pete is now also going to pick up the premier meet down there in Miami. So we'll talk to Pete about what that uh, means for a kind of a life-changing experience. and want to ask him about his uh, experiences at Oaklawn Park, of course, You're definitely going to want to go to Winning Ponies and pull down the easy win forms this week because we've got some outstanding races for you that will have big pools which should guarantee nice payoffs. And, of course, nice payoffs is what we had from all over the place last time. And we... Check even the smaller tracks out. I had a good week at Sacramento, a $1 super key that paid $2,702, and a $1 super that paid 2418 Of course, at the spa, we uh, hit a $1 super the other day for 1951 and Gulfstream Park, home of Pete Aiello, had a $1 super high five, paying over $40. So, listen to our handicappers. Go to WinningPonies.com and pull down those easy win forms. Well, I'm going to be asking the boys tonight about the Haskell. What a race that is going to be. We've got one, two, three finishers in the Kentucky Derby. The top three finishers are going to be uh, kind of starting off the second half of their season, shall we say. Uh, Both, uh, of course, uh, Nyquist, uh, who won the Kentucky Derby, was last year's two-year-old champion. He's coming all the way from the West Coast. And then Preakness Stakes winner, Exaggerator, uh, they're going to match up again at Monmouth Park. Again, it's the One Million Betfair Haskell Invitational. So now this race is going to be on Sunday. Most of the races I'm going to handicap with Dan Illman, uh, today will uh, take place on Saturday. But the Haskell is Sunday, so at least they won't step on each other. Um, remember now uh, in the Preakness, Exaggerator turned the table on Nyquist, and then what we found out is that uh, he did have a concentration of high white blood cells, and he passed on the Belmont, and the Belmont winner will be in action as creator is going to be three to one in the running of the six hundred thousand Jim Dandy up at Saratoga, but he's not going to be the favorite. Nope. Remember Mo Heyman who reeled off five straight career wins and looked to be a super horse before Nyquist beat him two times in the Florida Derby and the Kentucky Derby. Well he has been training great for Kieran McLaughlin and they are going to install him the 9-to-5 choice. And let's not forget the horse that finished just a nose behind creator in the Belmont Stakes, and that was Destin, who set a track record in the Tampa Derby earlier. Uh, Had a pretty rough trip in the Kentucky Derby, so this looks like one heck of a matchup, and we'll be talking again to Dan Illman about the creator in the Jim Dandy, uh, but meanwhile we're going to have the top three finishers uh, running on Sunday in the Haskell. I guess Keith DeSormo wasn't real pleased with the way that Exaggerator was taken to the track at Saratoga, and that's the reason why he kind of swayed him uh, to go to the Haskell. Of course, million-dollar top purse might sway you that way, too. So uh, the other horses, uh, they're going to be in there. There's definitely some talent um, aside of from uh, from Gunrunner in there. Uh, you've got American Freedom from the Baffert Barn. Remember, we talked about him last week. Um, he won the uh, Iowa Derby after not faring too well in the Pat Day Mile. And Bob Baffert feels like he's a very much an improving horse. He's maturing. And uh, don't forget, the Haskell is a win, and you're in, into the Breeders' Cup Classic. You get a free entry, and they pay quite a bit of your tab getting there. The past two Haskell winners, Bayern in 2014 and American Pharoah last year, both trained by Baffert, went on to win the Classic. So we'll see what happens this year. It looks like Brody's Cause, who they thought was going to go in the race, is probably going to go instead to... The West Virginia Derby. So, again, that race coming up on Sunday. Well, good friend and a great guy, Stephen Christ, uh, who uh, not only was a fantastic writer but a great horse player himself, has announced that he is retiring from the daily racing form. You know, Chris put together the investment group that bought the form back in 1998. He was the company's chief executive until 2002 and most recently was its editor and publisher emeritus. So, uh, like uh, DRF's John Harding said, whether as a better reporter, columnist, editor, publisher, author, or racetrack executive, Stephen Chris has been America's voice of the horse player for 35 years. Alex Waldrop agreed. And, uh, you know, Stephen, class guy, uh, went out saying, look, I've been fortunate to have spent my career in and around the greatest game ever invented and to have worked with so many talented colleagues at the Daily Racing Forum for the betterment of its game and its customers. So Stephen Christ is going to be missed. He did so much in the sport as a reporter for the New York Times back in the 80s. And then you might remember the Racing Times. He was the founding editor-in-chief of the Racing Times. And don't forget, that's where the buyer speed figures were introduced a part of handicapping that has definitely uh, influenced our sport uh, quite a bit. So uh, best of luck to the king of the pick six, Stephen Crist. Okay, well, we lost a a good guy in racing. Tom McCarthy last week passed away. You may uh, remember that uh, he was the focus of numerous touching stories as the owner and trainer of General Quarters, who was a $20,000 claimer, that McCarthy turned into becoming the 2009 Bluegrass Stakes winner before finishing 10th in the Derby. People love this guy. He was a teacher, a counselor, and a principal at Louisville High Schools for 34 years, and a horse he trained won the day after his death. Arad Ortiz, what a great world he's in right now. Jockey of the Week, he is off and running under the ancient elms at Saratoga. He won four races on opening day at Saratoga, and on, uh, that was last Friday. And then he captured two graded stakes in the first three days of the meet, so he has become the Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week. The 23-year-old native of Puerto Rico would have a fifth win of the meet late Saturday afternoon when uh, he put in an unbelievable run on Dasita a horse that uh, we handicapped here on Winning Ponies. Uh, since he came here from Puerto Rico, he's won multiple riding titles on the New York circuit. He was a graduate of that country's Escuela Vocacional Epica. That's the school for pr- prospective jockeys. His grandfather, who was Irad, was a jockey. So was his uncle Ivan, and of course, his competitive brother, Jose Ortiz. So uh, in 2015, Irad was the second in total earnings among North American riders. So congratulations to him. He is hot. And a name familiar to those uh, in the uh, Louisiana area, Bork. This is Jackie Steve Bork. Reached a milestone in Evangeline Downs last week. A 53-year-old native of Louisiana recorded his 4,000th win aboard Speedhorses Spacebook. So congratulations from him. He started out at Evangeline Downs. So another one of those great Cajun riders. 4,000 notches on his belt. Guy I knew from Turfway Park for so many years, Bob Elliston, has become the executive president and chief operating officer of Breeders... Well, he's been working for the Breeders' Cup, and now he's going to join Keeneland as that track's vice president of racing and sales. Bob's done a little bit of everything in racing. Uh, Locally, he uh, was... uh, Very influential in, in northern Kentucky, and then he worked at Turfway Park for about 13 years, so congratulations to him. I'm sure his plate is very full. Well, we talked about the top race action that's coming up this week. How about last week? California Chrome comes back, and it was no walkover. Dortmund is back, the huge horse from the Baffert barn. The crowd roared as California Chrome put ahead in front of Dortmund on the final turn. Uh, Dortmund was uh, chasing the speed for most of the race, but uh, you know Art Sherman said, "Don't let it get away from you, Victor." So uh, with uh, Dortmund about a half a length behind the Horse of the Year late in the turn, uh, he came back again in a duel to the wire. I think it was only about a half length lead when they hit it. But again, this was uh, Chrome's uh, first return in a while. He looked awful good. Uh, Dortmund really didn't break that great, but Gary Stevens kind of moved him up to get a little uh, closer to that lead. So, uh, you know, Victor Espinoza said, uh, I knew I had something to run after, but I had to save something for the end and I have a lot of respect for Dortmund. So we might have a uh, a new rivalry, uh, potential matchup for the Del Mar summer feature, the Pacific Classic. It was California Chrome's eighth graded or group victory he paid 360 220 and 210 i didn't think that he would pay that much quite frankly and how about songbird she just keeps winning and winning and winning and she came out of the coaching club american oaks just great That's uh, now going to be pointing for of uh, the grade 1 alabama up there at Saratoga. But they say that she's just getting along great up there at Saratoga, learning to love the media. And uh, Hollendorfer will make up his mind, but this would be cool to see her go in the Alabama. And the horse uh, that uh, that I bet uh, in the Queen's Plate, lost by a half length, uh, came back with a big win in the Prince of Wales stakes, and that was Amis Gizmo who captured the Prince of Wales. That's a mile and 316th on the dirt. It's the middle leg of Canada's Triple Crown. Uh, one quick look at some of the other races that uh, we handicapped last week. In the Schuylerville, it was Sweet Loretta. Yes, my top pick, the January Foal. Uh, by Tappet, got the job done with Johnny V. Up slow start and put a huge move in the lane was not favored six to one on the morning line. So uh, Sweet Loretta for sure is one you're going to want to remember. In the second spot was a twenty-two to one shot Fun, and third was Harlan's Thunder. And then we had a Chad Brown exacta and the Lake George. It was Ancient Secret getting the job done at two to one. Of course, I read Ortiz in the saddle for one of his many wins of that day. And the second spot was Elise's World and Irish Bread that Chad Brown has. Then the Sanford Stakes, the boys... The winner, number five, Batuman, got the job done, Javier Castellano. This horse in a five-horse field was five lengths behind and last early and blew by him, one by two lengths over Random Walk. Bitteman was four to five, Random Walk was four to five. And then on uh, the Diana stakes, no surprise there. We already announced that it. it was Dasita trailing from last and getting the job done under Irad Ortiz, paying 10 20 besting and third in that race was Rihanna Batira. Okay, that's a look at last week's races and a lot of national news. We're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to be with the mellow fellow, Pete Ilo. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Flagship station for sports.
2: Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. All
3: right, and with me right now, it was a little over six months ago that uh, we spoke on these airwaves together, and I was uh, uh, tipping my cap to my friend Pete Aiello as he had landed the prestigious announcer's job at Oak Lawn Park, and now I am talking to Pete Aiello and giving him another tip of the cap as... He's starting another new job, or kind of, uh, at Gulfstream Park. Uh, Pete, I I know a lot of people threw their hat in the ring to get the premier meet at Gulfstream Park. Congratulations on nailing it
1: down. Well, I sure appreciate that. I mean, uh, as I said in the release and um, the the local news stories, I mean, as ironic as it sounds, I couldn't have done it without Larry Comus, not to say that, um, you know, I was happy by any means with his decision to walk away from the winter meet, but, I wouldn't even have been allowed in the uh, door at Gulfstream Park if it wasn't for him because, of course, he, you know, he helped me get in, get started there uh, when the summer meets were going, and he was going to keep calling the winter. So um, it's, it's almost like an apprenticeship in a way. Uh, you know, it's nice that um, when you do the job, uh, as your friend Ed Meyer would say, when you do the yeoman's job in the summer, it's nice that when the good job comes around that they don't look any farther than what they already have. So that was a really good feeling.
3: All right, well, listen, for those that missed our first show and didn't listen to the podcast, let's do a little rewind about your entrance into the game.
1: Uh, well, I uh, I think I probably made my first bet when I was about five years old, uh, but that was at Calder. I first went to the races when I was three at Hialeah, and my grandmother bought me a pink jockey suit, and I ran around the paddock at Hialeah Park as happy as a clam. So that was, I guess, my <laughs> first indoctrination into the game, and uh, you and I first met was... Uh, when I went out to the University of Arizona's Racetrack Industry Program, you know they have those annual symposiums that you've been a part of for a lot of years. So you and I were introduced at that point. Uh, my first job in horse racing was not as an announcer, even though it was something I wanted to do, and it was something that I had the privilege of getting to do on a much less scale in the Arizona County Fair Circuit. But I uh, started in the business at Prairie Meadows in Altoona, Iowa, as the assistant racing secretary for the late Dan Ducey. I did that for about nine weeks, and a little job came open at a racetrack that's near and dear to my heart forever in River Downs in Cincinnati, and you and I were reunited as coworkers workers for the first time and as friends once again.
3: Yeah, those were good years, and you know, uh, when I saw one of the releases, I saw, you know, the, the photo of you uh, at River Downs, because you could see the River Downs hedges uh, out in the center of the infield that would be underwater as we speak, um, uh, you You've got to admit, that little for that little old track, was that the best announcers booth you were ever in?
1: Absolutely. I I can't say that too loudly when I'm in South Florida or even in Arkansas. <laughs> but I tell anybody who wants the real answer, I said, Do you want the real answer? And I, yeah, what was the best booth you ever called? I said, far none far and away river downs. There was no blind spot. It was the perfect size too, you know, it wasn't wasn't small like a phone booth, it wasn't big like a luxury box, it was just the perfect size also. So you you know, you could kind of make your own little office slash room out of it, which was also, you know, that's great, too, because you're working in there day in and day out. So it was home for me. And to be honest with you, John, I, uh, if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably still say that Cincinnati's my home. I have so many good friends and uh, from up that way that uh, I miss it, especially during this time of the year. That's for sure. Well, you know, that
3: booth was actually designed by a track announcer, uh, rest his soul, Kevin Gomer. He had a lot of input into that because, you know, he knew the importance of the the sight lines and the fact that you could kind of step up into that one little area and you had a great comfort zone. Like you said, it wasn't too big. It wasn't too small. Uh, You you did have a little bit of sun coming. You never had the uh, not-so-nice part, calling it the track, though. We used to have a fall meet. And so the sun mm-hmm. would set at a different angle. And you remember where the pond was off to the right of the tote board? Boy, yep. that sun would hit that pond and you know how intense light is when you got the binoculars up there. And uh, Kevin would just about going blind at the start of the six furlong races, but he got through it. It was a great, great place. And it was, uh, it was great to have you there for, for so many years. Well, you know, uh, when we spoke last, you were breaking into to Oak Lawn and I told everybody they got to put it on their bucket list. It's a great place, but it, it you had to have some mis, mixed emotions because that city really, to be the track announcer there, you're, you're almost like the vice mayor. I mean, they really embrace uh, the racing and the personalities at the track.
1: Yeah, they sure do. And you're right about having some mixed feelings about that. I mean, uh, I said to the local Hot Springs newspaper, and I was so happy that the writers, both of them actually used the quote, because I really meant it. It wasn't uh, saving face or politics. I didn't want anybody in the Arkansas community or in the Hot Springs community to think that by any stretch of the imagination, I wasn't committed to Oak Park and was somehow abandoning them by taking this job. Um, uh, they asked me, you know, is is it, it, does, does it feel good to be able to, you know, be taking a year-round job in a place where you grew up? And, I, you know, I was always of the opinion that home is where you make it. So, for me, the biggest decision factor when I was offered the position at Gulfstream on a year-round basis was exactly that, being able to be somewhere on a year-round basis. Um, you know, especially in this industry, we, you know, depending on where you are and what you're doing, you almost have to be like a car- carny. If it doesn't fit in your car, you don't take it with you. Um, so, that, you know, that life... It's great when you're you know up and coming and and young and, and enthusiastic and ready to roll you know point me in the right direction and i 'm going to go there, not to say that i've lost any of my enthusiasm, but there is certainly something to be to be said for being able to invest in things like a you know a family and a house and and it's really tough to do those things when you 're moving all the time.
3: Absolutely, and really it's uh, it's almost uh, the nomadic life of a jockey uh, because, you know, the meets, most places are just so long and you, you got to move on and hope you do get a spot somewhere, but they're usually not right around the corner from one another. Well, uh, Pete, it's very interesting. I know uh, you always give kudos to a, a good friend of both of ours uh, who left us too soon and Luke Kreitbosch, but uh, what's it like... What's it going to be like, you probably won't know till you experience, for a guy that started out calling it some bush tracks to a man that's going to call the world's richest race? Are you going to sleep the night before the Pegasus?
1: Well, i got to tell you something. I mean, I think that um, somebody's out. I know a lot of people have asked me that question, and I'm going to tell you and all the listeners out there exactly what I told them because it's the truth. Um, I'm try- I will not think about that until, I hope, January of 2017. Um, I'm going to be completely candid and honest and everybody knows <laughs> that I am a candid and honest individual. Um, my first go around at a triple crown prep and, uh, at a race of natural stat- national stature didn't go all that well. Um, so, uh, certainly was a learning experience for me. Uh, there was a lot of things that I think will be different for the race at Gulfstream, the Pegasus world cup, as opposed to the Arkansas Derby, which is a race I'm talking about. Um, but, um, The good thing about it is, in my mind, and this is, of course, what you're telling yourself when the race runs, I'm sure it'll be a completely different scenario. These are horses, you know, we're going to have the California Chromes, we're going to have, hopefully, Dortmunds, and horses that have natural or national prestige, so they're horses that even subliminally, I already know who they are. So, um, you know, that's one of the great things about this race, the lead up to the race from a track announcer's perspective, is great because you know who's going to target it. You know how you can study the silks and things of that nature. So I think from that end, it'll even be easier than calling the Kentucky Derby because, you know, sure, there's going to be 20 of them in the Derby. We won't have 20 in the Pegasus World Cup, but they're also older horses, so you'll know them um, by resume before they actually get in the gate. Yeah, I'd be willing to lay odds
3: that if you put the twelve of them out there, you'd probably get eleven of them right just by looking at them. Between knowing the running styles, knowing their connections, knowing their silks, and what the horse looks like, and you're right, because we've had the chance to see these horses. I, I, I just whoever came up with this at first, I thought they were crazy, and then I thought they're genius, Uh, especially with you know what's you know like a, a million bucks to get in a race, but but then when you find out the benefits. That the people are going to get, and the, the fact that if for some reason uh, something happens to their top horse, they got a chance to either you know
1: sell their entry to somebody else, or or
3: you know bring their their second best horse to the race.
1: Yeah, it'll be a, it'll certainly be a groundbreaking concept. I mean, I think it already has been a groundbreaking concept, and I'm in, interested to see, and I'm intrigued to see, as I know Gulfstream ownership and management are. Uh, how many, you know, how many horses we get from outside the U.S., as well as how many fans do we get from outside the U.S.? I mean, I don't think that uh, much like the Dubai World Cup, you know, the Dubai World Cup attracts people from all over the world. And I I think the Pegasus World Cup should do the very same thing, especially with the beautiful white sandy beaches of Miami in the wintertime. Also, that's not going to hurt anything either.
3: And, you know, the other thing, Pete, uh, as far as the placement of the race, um, you know These horses that are older, obviously, they're going to have fantastic credentials with them, that they can go out with the swan song. Heck, even if you hit the board on this thing, you're going to make a ton of money and then still have time to get to the breeding shed.
1: Yeah, that's very true. And uh, on the other side... If they are horses that are, you know, four-year-olds or even five-year-old geldings or things of that nature, they have a whole campaign that they can plan starting with the Pegasus World Cup. And if they elect to go to Dubai, great. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of American conditioners that target the race and go, well, I'm not going to go to Dubai because the money's better at Gulfstream. But at the same time, from a timing standpoint, if the horse came back kicking the stall door down, they can do both.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. you know uh, again, I went from scratching into my head to saying, "Wow, this makes sense," especially when I saw the starting gate fill up as quick as it did. So I understand that there, there's a lot of other potential benefits as far as uh, promotion and marketing and money that can actually come back to these people for their participation, and that 's a great part of it too now. Before I let you go, Pete, i got to tell you something. I called you off the air a couple weeks ago because I was going on the air with uh, announcer Don Stevens uh, down at Delta Downs, and I asked your help because you know I'm not much of a quarter horse handicapper. I'm not sure if I sent you an email or a thank you, but two of the three horses that you picked, one, and the other one, stumbled coming out of the gate and lost all chance so uh, you know if, if i have any more quarter horse shows on you know that your phone's going to be ringing
1: well i also heard that uh, i forget i think it was ed meyer was on the telecare of the program just a couple weeks ago and you guys were discussing my mule expertise and uh, i just want you to know that even though i'm calling the world's richest horse race i'm also still an avid fan of american mule racing
3: hey you know you dance with the one that brung you well uh, Pete Aiello thanks so much for joining us here on winning ponies you know I'll always be in your corner and uh, now when we come up to those uh, the Florida Derbies and those races too you can bet I'm going to be dialing you up my friend I wish you nothing but the best Pete Aiello
1: well great to talk to you John and thanks again for having me on and uh, it'll be nice to get an announcer's booth as my own for a while so Uh, Hopefully the quality of the calls goes up with that, and uh, everybody has a great evening. All right, thanks a lot. We've
3: been talking to Pete Aiello, now the full-time announcer at Gulfstream Park. Going to take a little bit of a break. Got some great racing, and we got a great race handicapper, Dan Ilman from the Daily Racing Forum to help us here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They
2: need to ass and then move oh, I on. Just, I just think to... that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs>
3: NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL.
2: Speak up, speak up or forever hold your mouth. We
1: ain't playing around
2: here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What?
0: Career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
2: Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, and with me, uh, one of my favorite uh, personalities in racing
3: and a a great handicapper and a guy that knows how to deliver information, Dan Illman. Of course, uh, he's an author. uh, He's an on-air handicapper. I do like the fact that uh, he uh, has the Saratoga Spa Babies, um, which uh, has to be one of the toughest jobs in the world. Of course, back in 2005, uh, he was the author of the book, Betting Maidens and Two-Year-Olds. I think that's where I met him. He was on tour and he was coming through Cincinnati. We had him at River Downs. Um but uh Dan, welcome once again to Winning Ponies. How are you?
4: Doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. Great weekend of racing, especially with the 3-year-olds. Absolutely. We're going to get to that, but I got to get to you right now. I uh,
3: spa babies it has to be one of the toughest jobs in the world when you're talking about a track like Saratoga. I mean, you know, Two-year-olds, between
4: their connections and their pedigrees, how do you ferret it out? Well, when it was just a written piece on DRF.com, it was, it was truly a labor of love. I was going back over one day, let's say it was August 29th at Saratoga, about five or six years ago, and it was something like 11,800 words, and I realized that's a lot. Uh, I, was, I made it my goal to try to ferret out as much pedigree and, and sales and workout and trainer information that I could and throw it out there for the fans, because a lot of times when they're handicapping uh, maiden races off the classic past performances, all you have is a couple of workouts, a trainer, and uh, a sire, and a broodmare sire. Not a lot of information, so I wanted to give the fans as much information as possible, but it was, uh, it was slowly breaking me down after about uh, 10 years or so doing that, so we're <laughs> very fortunate to have a great sponsor in Windstar Farm. i got a video up every day. We try to tackle the best two-year-old race of the day and throw out as much information as possible to help uh, the betting public.
3: Yeah, you can get 11,000 words out a little bit easier on video than you can in print. <laughs>
4: I, I, ho- I hope at least it comes across so uh, pretty good because uh, it, it kind of was a data dump. The writing I, it was a lot of uh, again I love statistics. I've always loved stats, and, and I hope that the fans gleaned a couple of nuggets that maybe they couldn't get in their normal past performances. And we're trying to do that with the video version of Spa Babies as well, trying to give out some great pedigree information, trainer stats, maybe a workout nugget or two as well. So it's a lot of fun, and again, we have a great sponsor in WinStar.
3: Well, uh, the the sport uh, took uh, a bit of, uh, I won't call it a blow, but um, on a regular basis we're losing just a
4: fantastic guy in, in Stephen Crest. We certainly are. I mean, yeah, he's been a tremendous inf- uh, inspiration for me and so many other handicappers that got in this business, you know, reading Stephen Christ's articles in the New York Times, uh, watching him on the old Harvey Pack show. And again, by the way, we do have Harvey back uh, on DRF.com every Thursday giving his take of the late Daily Double with Mike Beer and myself. Shameless plug. Uh, but no, it's, it's it's always a loss for uh, to, to lose someone like Steve Christ. Uh, he's retiring. He's going off to probably hit lots more pick sixes. And, um, we're going to miss him here because he, he truly was a great inspiration.
3: Well, you know, you know, I saw the back there. At one time, you were a handicapper for Sports Eye, and ironically, I got a call from somebody today that had no idea I was going to pick up the other the, and the end of the phone,
4: and it was Erwin uh, Cohen. I, I'm guessing you guys go back a while, too go back a long time I, I i first my first job in racing 1997 at sports erwin uh, was working there erwin's here in the drf he's only about oh 15 feet away from me on any given day in his office so uh it, it is amazing how how uh you know there are so many great handicappers in here and erwin's been around the business for a long time his father jack cohen uh ran sports Eye for so many years and uh, of course great friends with steve christ
3: Absolutely, And Steve Christ gave a shout-out to you guys in uh, one of the columns uh, that I read because he said it was just an honor to work with all the the prep professionals at the Daily Racing Forum. Well, I I know that I'm going to try to ask you to look a little bit deeper at at, at the Saratoga races, but let's face it, there's some horses that were uh, uh, prepping up at Saratoga. Uh, They're going to meet uh, down in New Jersey. I know your buddy Matt Bernier is going to be down there. Uh, What are your impressions of the uh, top three Kentucky? Derby finishers uh, ending up at Monmouth
4: Park on Sunday. Well, a lot of money, you know, thrown for the Haskell. You've got Nyquist, of course, Exaggerator and Gunrunner. It'll be very interesting to see how this race is bet because you got a big four. Bob Baffert's been talking a lot about his three-year-old in the Haskell. I mean, he has been saying, the word was out on Derby uh, week, that he was the best three-year-old on the entire card and not the horses that were going to run in the Derby. Uh, And we know Bob Baffert's record in the Haskell in the past. Uh, That horse is very, very interesting. Um, I'm looking at the race, though, and I'm trying to look for value, as I think all handicappers should. And at the end of the day, who's going to be the best price of the big three? Because I really can't separate them. I think Gunrunner is going to be the best price of the three horses coming out of the derby. Uh, He's got great tactical speed. And I wonder if Baffert's horse, American Freedom, Nyquist, they're going to go out there in the early portion of this race. Gunrunner is going to be sitting just off. Florence Giroux is just a phenomenal young rider. He seems to time everything right. I wonder if this is Gunrunner time to shine in the Haskell. He's a horse I'd be fooling around with. And if you really want a wacky long shot, I'm not sure he's good enough to win. But Awesome Slew has kind of impressed me in some of his races. This is his third start back off a long layoff, and he's getting blinkers for a master trader in it he it. Not sure he's going to win. Maybe he could spice up your exotics underneath, but it's a phenomenal race. Nyquist, Exaggerator, American Freedom, the up-and-comer. I wonder if Gunrunner's going to run a big race. I'm going to key in on Gunrunner I'll fool around a little bit with that awesome slew as a wacky bomb.
3: Well, this race is going to be a Jim Dandy as I segue into the big race up at Saratoga. Uh, A mere 600,000 on the table, unlike uh, the uh, Hassel's Million. Uh, But, uh, boy, you know, when I look here, I see, you know, the Belmont winner and the horse that finished a nose before him, and neither of those two is the favorite in here, Uh, the, the, the People in New York are throwing out Mohamed's last two races and believe that Kieran McLaughlin has him back to the form that saw him win the Fountain of Youth, Holy Bull, Remsen, and Nashua.
4: I think Travis Stone, the morning line maker at Saratoga, has got it right, though, with Mo Heyman. I mean, he was a shorter price than both Creator and Destin in the Kentucky Derby, finished ahead of both of those horses. Boy, early this season, he was ranked above Nyquist going into the Florida Derby on a lot of pundits, uh, Kentucky Derby top five or ten lists. The Florida Derby didn't work out, and it took a little bit of luster off of Mo Heyman. I thought he ran really well in the Kentucky Derby, but to be perfectly honest, he still hasn't gotten much faster than when he was a two-year-old in the REMS. Last year, and like the Haskell, I'm searching for value. Of course, a horse like Mohamed could win, just like a horse like Nyquist could win the Haskell. But I'm looking for a little bit of value. I thought that Arad Ortiz gave uh, the ride of the year thus far in 2016 on Creator and the Belmont. He broke from the far outside post in front of the stands and somehow made his way to the rail, and every move Arad made after that was fine, weaving his way through traffic and just getting up over Destin. The horse did a good amount of the work as well. I think Creator is a very good horse. I'm going to be using him a lot in the Jim Dandy, although I'm very concerned about his running style. As a one-run closer, he's really at the mercy of pace, and other than the made in Lauban, it's hard to imagine there being a lot of speed. So while I'm going to be using Creator, I think the horse I want to bet is the five Governor Malibu a horse that's gotten really good for Christophe Clement and if you remember the Belmont Stakes Joel Rosario had him down on the rail turning into the stretch and it looked like Governor Malibu was going to run as Joel tried to slip through the inside at the 316th pole he had to put on the brakes lost all of his momentum and at the end of the day Governor Malibu still finished a good fourth I don't know whether he would have won the Belmont with a clean trip but he would have been a lot closer to creator like Gunrunner In the Mm -hmm. Haskell of the top contenders in the Jim Dandy Governor Malibu offers the best value
3: well uh sad to say had he at least gotten the third spot I had the trifecta in there and he was <laughs> 17 to 1 when I saw exactly what you were describing I'm just going no no this isn't happening because I was very impressed with, with the Peter Pan and as you know the Peter Pans uh, launched a, a lot of horses into a good spot in in the Belmont Stakes so is there any backstretch buzz about you know Mohamed or Destin Creator how they're looking how they're coming up to the race and I agree with, with you Creators He's going to be down on the rails so he doesn't have to worry about doing any early running because he doesn't do any early running.
4: I mean, right now, uh, Mo Heyman, Kieran McLaughlin seemingly can do no wrong. Uh, at Saratoga. He's just gotten off to such a hot start and he's pointed Mohamed for the Travers and of course how do you get to the Travers if you're based in New York? You're running the local prep which is the Jim Dandy. Uh, I don't think he's going to be using this race strictly as a prep because he hasn't run him since the Derby. I think Mohamed's going to be cranked up really tight and uh, the word I've heard is that Mohamed seems to be working very well leading up to this race. He's got good tactical speed. He really is a nice racehorse uh, and again if he happens to go off at 7 to 2 You have three horses in this race. Any one of them could be the favorite post-time. Creator, Mohamed, Destin. But I think Mohamed will be the favorite. I'm not sure he has such an edge over the other top contenders in this race that I want to back him at short odds.
3: Well, I I think the New Yorkers are going to recognize the fact that I'm not sure what happened today, but coming into this race, Kieran McLaughlin, eight starters, six winners, 75%. He owns the ancient elms right now. So, uh, yes, yeah, very, very dangerous. Uh, and, and again, I do think that he is pointing for the Midsummer's Derby uh, with this horse. Well, uh, we're talking with uh, Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to take a little bit of a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, a, a horse who really lit the place up and refused to be defeated last week at the Spa, and that would be Songbird, and also maybe take a look at the Bowling Green and the Rich Vanderbilt. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. A fly ball deeper.
2: Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart.
3: Right, and with me is Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. You know, Dan, we've really kind of been blessed uh, in these last couple of seasons. Um, you, know, you know, of course, you can go back uh, to Rachel Alexander and Zenyatta. Those were exciting times uh, uh, for the ladies' division. Uh, but now we've got Beholder and Songbird. We're going to get to see Beholder at Delmar. I think uh, it's going to be interesting. The people with Stellar Wind, who just ran uh, second to her in the Vanity Mile, are, are going to go back in the gate. But uh, what, what a sensational filly uh, Beholder's going to be. We're going to get to see her this week. And you got to see Songbird last week, who's phenomenal in her own right. Right.
4: You know, Songbird is breathtaking because you've seen her races in Southern California for Jerry Hollendorfer, and it doesn't look like she takes a deep breath. Uh, she goes right to the front. She dazzles everyone with her speed, and then she breezes under the wire. Every race looks like a public and paid workout, and you're saying, boy, how good is she? And then you always have that, that nagging feeling as a handicapper or a horse player in the back of your mind when the, you try to take the fan part out of it and you say, well, who's she been beating over there? So she comes over to Saratoga and she was taking on a very good filly that Bill Mott has and Karina Mia and Karina Mia I love what Florent Giroux did he took it right to Songbird going into the turn he got heads up with Songbird no one had gotten that close to her in her illustrious career thus far and listen Karina Mia just wasn't good enough Songbird took pressure flicked her away kept right on going mile and an eighth didn't bother her shipping in New York didn't bother her we know she's fast we know she's got class and now we know She's got a lot of heart, and boy, that's a tremendous combination to have. She's very special.
3: It really is, and, uh, you know, when when Korea came to her, I'm thinking, whoa, you know, again, it's Saratoga, you know, the graveyard of champions. Are we going to see this again? Uh, you know, we can reflect to American Pharaoh last year, and uh but like you said, you know, under the veteran, you know, Mike Smith, you know, she certainly had the guts to do it. And I think it's kind of cool, too, that veteran Gary Stevens is hooked up with Beholder. And as a six-year-old, she's, she's still running. It's just, it's just great to see the, these two horses going. And it uh, looks like you're going to be set up for a nice Alabama up there at Saratoga.
4: Well, Songbird's going to be heavily favored in the Alabama, and it's hard hard to imagine uh, someone coming up there and really challenging her the way Karina Mia did. You never know if the mile and a quarter will get her, but boy, she's really good. And as for Karina Mia, I think Bill Mott's got his eye on cutting her back in distance. There are races like the Ballerina. I think she's very good. She lost nothing in defeat against Songbird. She just happened to try a very special filly. You're going to be hearing a lot more uh, out of Karina Mia, especially if Bill gets a chance to cut her back in distance. Absolutely, he, he's such a, a great horseman, and he's really having uh, a,
3: a good season at every level. Uh, he's even got some nice two-year-olds going for him. Well, um, it, it, if you want to see fast horses, perhaps the fastest in the country, you got to tune into the ninth race at Saratoga on Saturday, the Alfred G. Vanderbilt Grade One, three hundred fifty thousand. If you like one hundred plus buyers. <laughs> This is the field you want to see. Oh, my God. There's only one horse in the field that doesn't have a 100 buyer, and most of them have multiple 100 buyers. Uh, uh, This is one fast field, and I'm having a hard time separating them, Dan Elman.
4: There are some very fast horses, as you mentioned. Uh, Trainer Jorge Navarro only has three of those fast horses, and they're not XY Jet, who is now with Peter Miller in Southern California, but Navarro sent out to just missed in the Dubai Golden Shaheen. It's his specialty, so to say, having these dirt sprinters. Um, AP Indian looked very good, I thought, winning the Belmont Sprint Championship. I talked about it with Mike Beer in our video preview of the race because a lot of folks believe that the rail was very deep on uh, July 9th at Belmont. AP Indian rode the inside, was able to overcome that. He showed a a new dimension rating from off the pace and winning. AP Indian's going to be very, very dangerous with that new dimension uh, in his hip pocket because, as you mentioned, there's a lot of speed in this race. Uh, I'm going to use him in multiple race wages, but the horse I'm going to give one more chance to, and maybe I should have divorced Holy Boss already by now, but I'm going to give him one more chance. You mentioned triple-digit buyer speed figures. He's earned triple-digit buyer speed figures in his last seven Fast to dirt starts. He doesn't like a wet track. Steve Asmussen's putting blinkers on. I want John Velasquez to be very aggressive with Holy Boss. They tried to rate him on the uh, down on the rail last time out in the True North. I don't think that's what he likes. He's dropping five pounds here. I want to see him go after Delta Bluesman early. The six furlongs is is good for Holy Boss. Um, he won the Amsterdam at six and a half at Saratoga last year. Uh, I wonder he hasn't gotten back to his form this year at four. But the three-year-old Holy Boss is good. He's still fast enough to win. Maybe Maybe the blinkers wake him up. One more chance for me and Holy Boss.
3: Well, again, he's uh, trained by a guy that will be walking across the street to to the Hall of Fame finally this year. And Steve Asmussen, who knows how to uh, wind a horse up pretty good himself. But you you mentioned this uh, Jorge Navarro. Uh, He's a new player to me. What, What do you know about him?
4: been down at uh, Tampa Bay Downs, down at Gulf Stream, a uh, high percentage. He uh, was playing the claiming game for a while. I mean, you could see a high percentage, 35%. And he, he seems to have the ability, let's just say, uh, to move horses up first time, as you see with Chublicious, the number six, uh, a horse that was banging around with 90 buyer speed figures, 190 buyer speed figure, two races for Navarro, two triple-digit buyers. Uh, he has a tendency to move horses up when he gets them, and he seems to be getting them good. Look at Delta Bluesman, a former 62-5 claimer, uh, Chublicious, uh, a New Jersey bred who's, uh, who's trying the big time for the first time. Uh, there are some good horses in this race. I mean, look what he did with Catalina Red, first time Navarro. He won the graded stakes race on the Derby undercard. The Churchill Downs at 7 Furlong. So uh, he's a guy you really have to watch out for. He sends out live horses.
3: I wish I was uh, watching out for him in, in, in that Churchill Downs 7 Furlong race. I rate. don't know where that race came from. 14 to 1, that would have been a nice ticket to cash for sure. Well, uh, hopefully uh, you won't be getting the wet weather that we're sending out uh, from the uh, from the Midwest uh, for, for the Bowling Green uh, grade 2 race going to be going a mile and three eighths i i guess we don't in my opinion have a whole lot to talk about after the top horse in here flintshire is a super horse and again a six-year-old horse still at the races one with a fantastic pedigree who has won eight million dollars he's unbelievable
4: he really is unbelievable, and look at those buyer speed figures. His last two races in the states: one ten in the Manhattan, one fourteen in the Sword Dancer at Saratoga last year, sandwiching a runner-up in the Arc de Triomphe and a runner-up effort in the Hong Kong Vase. Listen, he's one to five on the morning line. He is way the horse to beat. I'm not very brave. I'm not going to try to do too much in beating him. But I, I want to mention the four can't help believing who did have a tough trip last time out in the United Nations over a turf course with a little bit too much give for his liking. Uh, if flinchers. Stubs his toe, maybe can't help believing gets it done. And if Flincher doesn't stub his toe, maybe can't help believing can get up for a second.
3: Yeah, if only Twilight Eclipse could go to the Twilight Zone and uh, uh, turn back to uh, two years ago, it, w- it would be nice. But he-, he just doesn't seem like the same horse now that he's seven.
4: Yeah, he got a confidence booster last time out when dropping in class, but now he's facing the big boys again. Flincher handled him in the sword dancer last year. Uh, He seems to have lost a little bit of zip off of his fastball, and again, if it rains even a little bit at Saratoga this weekend, this is a horse that does not like any give in the ground. He wants to hear his feet rattle on firm going, and I wonder because of his reputation if he's going to be the second choice in this race, Uh, and and if he is, uh, I would try to maybe try to split him with can't-help-believing underneath Flincher.
3: Yeah, I mean, because of the one to five odds on Flintshire, everything else is skewed. And, uh, you know, Twilight Eclipse, I only see one time was in the Breeders' Cup uh, turf against uh, uh, Found when he was, uh, you know, double digit odds against somebody else. So, uh, you know, there's not much you can do with a short field and a, and a one to five shot. Uh, well, Dan Elman, before you go. I I want to let people know where they can see you over this great weekend of racing and who's going to be
4: by your side. Uh, DRF.com is the uh, place to go. And on Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock Eastern, Mike Beer, Matt Bernier, myself, will be on live.DRF.com, DRF Live, Handicapping Analysis from Flincher to Beholder. We'll take you from the Bowling Green all the way through the Clement L. Hersh at Del Mar, handicapping some, uh, some nice races and, and giving our analysis and thoughts of the day. It's really a super day, coast to coast, and a lot of stars.
3: Absolutely, and a lot of stars on DRF Live. I love watching you guys. Very entertaining and informative at the same time. Uh, You've got a great style. Dan, thanks for spending the time with us on
4: Winning Ponies. Always a pleasure, John. Anytime.
3: Okay. Well, we've been talking with Dan Illman. I want to congratulate uh, my friend Pete Aiello for landing the full-time job at Gulfstream Park, and we're on to remind all of you that with all this great racing this weekend, pull down your easy win forms, go to winningponies.com. A lot of information there and a lot of big winners there. So I'm John Engelhart, your host, overlooking the manicured, the wet turf course past the Ohio River till the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head,
2: not over it.